Welcome to Medjugorje, our mother's last call with Sister Emmanuel. We were able to, uh, Sister Emmanuel actually raced here from Medjugorje. <laughs> this is true. So we could catch Sister Breeze while she was traveling from one part of the world to the other part here in Chicago. So we're at a hotel, maybe it's a little noisy, but we're so grateful that Sister Breeze is here with us. I, would you like to introduce Sister yeah, to Yeah, this is Sister Bridge McKenna that most of you already know. She has played a great part in the start of Medjugorje without even knowing it, in this uh, very famous conference of priests that was held in Rome in 1981, a, few, uh, a month before the apparition started in Medjugorje. Sister Bridge, you are traveling all over the world to preach the good news, and especially for the priest, but for everybody. And you are known as a very gifted and charismatic sister. We are very happy to hear your story about your first contact with Medjugorje on that yes. day. Well, I'm delighted to be here, Sister Emmanuel and Dennis. And uh, yes, I had, uh, it was a very big surprise to me. Um, actually when I, I finally heard about my my part in in Medjugorje uh, let me say that I was in Brazil and had known nothing about because I didn't remember Father Tomislav I didn't remember that uh, the prophecy I had given him until I was down in Brazil about to begin a retreat um, invited by the the government to speak uh, to the government officials and all and I had really begged the Lord what am I supposed to speak on and I got this message that I was to promote very much um, the the rosary fasting penance prayer and I was to speak on Our Lady and uh, I went to this meeting where all the uh, cabinet members were going to be the, the president had been sick that year and was going had asked me uh, to come and pray with him and I went there armed with a bag of miraculous medals and uh, when I went in I I felt her lady prompt, prompting me when I was with the president and I was asking him did he practice his faith and I heard this voice saying to me the miraculous medal so I gave it to him and he said oh he said sister you know I'm going to consecrate the country to Our Lady and as he's saying this um, telling me about it um, afterwards my interpreter myself came out and I received this letter telling us about the apparitions in Medjugorje and we hadn't I'm suppose I hadn't heard of it what year is this? Sister? This was, uh, it was quite um, probably almost a year after Medjugorje had happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be living in the world and not know these things are going on. And so we read through the letter and we were absolutely stunned. And I remember my interpreter saying, it's absolutely amazing that we got the same message without ever knowing to give in this country that was about to be consecrated by the vice president, nothing to do with the church now. The vice president was flying to a parasita to consecrate the country to Our Lady on the Feast of the Rosary, October the 7th. And we read it and then we said, in it it said the Sister Breach McKenna had been to Rome. And this is when, you know, it came back to me and I realized what had happened. was that I was invited to go to the International Conference for Priests. And because I'm in a ministry to priests, I was asked, would I meet with, you know, priests were saying, oh, please, Sister Breach, would you pray with us? And what we did was we put them into groups from the different countries they were in. 
And so I met with a group of the priests. It was then Yugoslavia, of course, all these countries were under communism. And I, it came back, I suppose it's like, you know, the, the memory is a great computer. When the right button is pressed, yeah. <laughs> it comes up. And when it came to me, I remember this friar in his Franciscan habit saying to me, you know, that he was very frustrated because he was the, the youth director for the Diocese of Moster. Never heard of Moster, never heard of any of these places. And he went on to tell me that um, the youth were being really seduced and, and you know, the, the communists were taking them to cell meetings and propaganda, all kinds of propaganda to draw them away from Christ and away from what he was trying to do with them. And he was really asking me to pray that he would find a way. And one of the things that I always do, um, I often say in my ministry, you know, that it's good not to know a lot about people. I tell priests, you know, Father, you don't have to tell me everything about yourself. Not that I don't want to hear your story, but you know, we're human and we can be influenced by what we hear. So I tell them, I really don't trust myself. It's better not to do anything about But it so happened in that day that as I prayed with him, I get these images. I tell people that, you know, your imagination, people talk about the imagination can run away with you, but the Lord can use the imagination like an overhead projector. He can throw things, images on it that can really be the key for that person's life and a message. And what I saw was Father Thomas Love Flashing sitting in the main celebrant's chair in front and he was looking onto the body of the church and it was packed with young people. And from behind him on the altar there were streams of water just like rivers flowing. And the people were, were, these young people were cupping it and drinking it. But as they would drink it, they would go out and bring others in. And I said to him, you know, Father, you're not going to have to worry because many young people will come to your church. And I just, you know, shared this with him. And he related that I told him that there were, I could see this church had two huge steeples. Of course, when he heard it, right just almost immediately, Father Emil Tardif, who was a, a Sacred Heart Father, a missionary, whom I had known myself and who has and was confirmed since, not, since that time he has died, Lord rest him, but he got this prophetic word and he walked over and all these priests, he could not have heard what I said because I was speaking into the priest, being translated by another priest. And he walked over and he said, you know, Father, our lady's going to visit your church. Now, the extraordinary thing about it is that Father Thomasloff was not in Medjugorje. Medjugorje hadn't happened. None of us knew about two steeples in the church. And of course, it was, it was completely, I'm supposed to him, bizarre. You know, he was probably thinking to himself, what does all this mean? And he told, and I know that, that many know the story, that, you know, when he was sent there by the bishop, and that, you know, when Father Yosa went to prison and he was sent, being the brilliant man that he was, I'm sure the hope was that he'd find out this thing wasn't really true. And, and like any priest or any of us should do, he began to see the external signs that there was something extraordinary. But you know, there's a difference in seeing outside. It doesn't always make you believe. You can, you can see things and still 
not believed. Sure. And so what he did was he prayed. He said he really began to pray because these beautiful children, could this be all fabricated? And yet that conflict that is normal, and I always say, you know, to people when they begin to struggle, we just remember that when when Our Lady was asked, would she be the mother of Jesus, she used her intelligence because to conceive a child, you had to be married, you had to have relations with the man. So she asked the question, how can this be? And God didn't reject her for that because that was a normal. But the beautiful thing was that immediately she said yes. And Father Tomislav himself said he really prayed, God show me. And then he got this word. He heard my voice like a gramophone. <laughs> like ah. show and tell, you know. He heard the voice and then he remembered the image. And then he remembered Father. It, it wasn't just that he had to imagine that must that this must have what it was. Because he heard this French Canadian priest saying, Our mother, our lady will visit your church. And he said at that moment his heart was conveyed. And he realized it's like the Old Testament that, you know, at the time it didn't have the impact on him because at that time it hadn't happened. But now he has to make a decision. Now he heard the message. And uh, so when I read this, there's another very interesting part to it, is that um, I was very touched by it. And immediately I read this account. Um, and I don't know who sent it out. It came in a newsletter to this interpreter of mine. But I knew in my heart that the message of Medjugorje had been placed in my heart. And you know that particular time that I was in Brazil, I will never forget, you know, flying with the vice president of the country because the president was very ill and all of the cabinet members and myself and my interpreter are sitting on their, their Air Force One and I have this big badge on me, you see, and I arrive in a parasita where there are thousands of people and these Irish missionaries are saying, Breach McKenna, what are you doing with the government, you know, and they were kind of looking at me wondering because, you know, a lot of people were very opposed and there was a lot of things wrong in that government and yet, I felt even then, you know, that Our Lady, that the message of Medjugorje was slowly, like this prompting to consecrate the country to Our Lady. So I believed very much in it, but I had, at the time, I had no desire. It's amazing how the Lord's time, I had no desire to go to Medjugorje. I felt in my heart saying, you know, I don't have to, I really believe that's true. And I believed that that message, and that why wouldn't Our Lady why couldn't she appear any place? So four years went by, and people used to say to me, you know, Breach, you've never gone to Medjugorje, because now, you know, in Ireland, it's, it was, wasn't very long until the Irish started going in numbers. So one day, I was in a place in the Midlands of Ireland called Athlone, giving a retreat. And this man came, and he said, Breach, I came here because he said, I want to pay your fare to Medjugorje. Wow. I'd love you to go to Medjugorje. He said, I really think it's surprising you haven't gone. And I looked at him and I thought, no, I, I don't think, I don't think I'd even get permission, you know. I, I'm, I can imagine saying, you know, that uh, to my superior, you know, this, I, I have to go to Medjugorje. And I, I just didn't feel that, that it was the time. So he said, well, he said, you know, I just want you to know that I traveled here. And he said, I think, you know, you, you, you should really go to Medjugorje. So he said goodbye and he left, went to Dublin to get on the boat to go back to England. The next morning I got up at five o'clock to pray before the Lord and uh, 
I remember in this little oratory, there was a huge icon of Our Lady, of Mother of Tenderness, and I'm looking at it, and as clear as anything, I heard, Breach, I want you to go to Medjugorje, and there I'm going to give you a message for my priests. And my, my immediate reaction was, where's the man with the ticket? <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> what am I going to do? I let him go. And uh, I thought, well, I just have to believe that it'll come. Then Practical I started woman, thinking, you know, yeah. Practical then, woman. <laughs> then I started thinking, can you imagine me calling up the Mother General and saying to her, you know, our lady told me to go to Medjugorje. She'd start saying, you know, you're hearing voices. It's one thing to be invited to give retreats, another thing to start hearing voices. You know how you can rationalize and you yeah. can make all these obstacles yourself. So I thought, I, it was as if I heard her lady saying, well, how do you know? Just call her up. So I called her up and she wasn't a woman that I would have expected to say to me. She said, oh, I was wondering when you'd ask because everybody talks about why Sister Breach hasn't gone to Medjugorje. She says, well, if you feel. And so I said, you know, Mary, now I have the permission but I don't have any money to go, you know what I mean, at the ticket and how would I go about it? You're, well, you will believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that morning, I'm sitting in getting ready to give my talk when I see the man walking through the door. And he said to me, Breach, I'm back. He said, I was getting on the boat in Dublin to go. And he said, I got a message to say, go back to Athlone, Breach is going to Medjugorje. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so he, he said, my wife was, we'll make all the plans. And uh, he was quite a character now. Anyway, uh, I went to Medjugorje my first time. And when I went, I brought this very good friend of mine, a uh, really close friend, the two of us. And uh, this, uh, the gentleman that I was talking about, you may have known him, he has gone to Medjugorje, Miles Dempsey. He's in London. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know Miles? Yeah, yeah, sure. And we christened him, he doesn't know it, Major Miles. He, boy, he kept us in line, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> he used to be in the army. <laughs> so anyway, we, get, we go to Medjugorje and... Um, I'm sitting there, you know, the first day we go into the chapel and it's packed. And Father um, Tomislav, I, I don't know whether it's Tomislav Flashik or which of them it was, but they were up there, you know, preaching away in Croatia. It was Thomas, uh, Father Purvan. 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 Tomislav yeah. Purvan, yeah. So he's speaking, you know, and uh, I'm sitting there and I start to cry. And my friend beside me said to me, do you understand what he's saying? And I said, no, I don't. But I had the most beautiful experience. All of a sudden, as I closed my eyes, he's speaking in Croatian. And the Lord gave me the, the uh, interpretation. interpretation. And then he showed me a scene. And, and I went to him afterwards to find out. What I, and the, the vision that I had, I can still see it vividly, was this, uh, he was this, this huge black cloud coming coming like it was like you'd say fog but it was thick black fog and as it was creeping down you know as coming into these cities and villages all these priests I was desperate and I saw myself as he's speaking I'm going through this and I'm saying fathers please stop it you have the authority and as I knew it was fog, but I knew it was also the the evil, the the evil that was 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 taking over in people's lives, and I was pleading with these priests to recognise their power against the forces of evil, the God-given power. And the next thing I saw, many of them 
became part of the darkness and they weren't able to see. And I heard the Lord saying, you know, you've got to tell these men that the only way to confront the forces of evil is through holiness of life and through their consecration and through their willingness to allow themselves to be immersed in the light of Christ. It was quite a long message. I went around to Father Thomas Lever afterwards and he was speaking on the power of the priesthood and the need for, for, for the people to pray for the priest and the need to recognise that we were in a time when there was going to be a great battle for the souls of God's people and that the, the clergy were the army that were given God-given power. That was my first visit. There were many other things. One of the, the visionaries got a message from me. But um, I'll stop now. You ask a question. Well, Okay, yes. this is not fair. What was the message? Would you share it? One of the visionaries got a message. Yes. Um, Good point, Dennis. <laughs> um, Yelena was, was um, the she had locutionist. She's a, she's a locutionist. Yes, too. and um, she was just a little girl at the time, oh, I remember. Yes. You know, I had this sense, I remember saying to Sister, um, Sister Yanya had asked me, I'd been asked to speak at the prayer group for the visionaries. I remember that uh, at that prayer meeting, I got, uh, got many, many um, words of knowledge, you know, in the room with the visionaries there. But I remember sister, two things that happened. Sister Yanya came to me the next day and she said that Yelena wanted to speak to me. And I had asked Sister Yanya, I said, you know, I have this sense. I was in the room of the apparition. And just when the visionaries, all of them were there, were about to kneel down, I, I thought I should be really feeling very holy. I mean, I should be feeling our ladies appearing here. You know what's happening to me? I had this pain in my heart. I thought I was getting a heart attack. And I thought, oh my God, what a place to die. You know, what a place to get a heart attack. Right when our ladies appearing, and I could feel this awful, awful pain in my breast, in my heart. And I kept thinking, what is happening? And just as they began to come out of the vision, the word said, the pain that you're experiencing is what the pain that I have for my priests in the heart. And I got the sense that I was to get a I was going to be given a message. Yelena gave the message that um, I was leaving for South America and I asked what is the greatest need? Would, her, would they ask her lady, I remember that was it, would they ask her lady, what should I tell priests? What, you know, there, I was going down to South America on my own uh, to, to, to work on priest retreats and would she have a message? And I remember meeting with her and she said that she asked her lady and her lady held a cross and she said to tell the priest, first of all, that they must be able to gaze at a cross, at the crucifix. And when they have the love of Jesus that Jesus had, they wouldn't see rich and poor they would see children that Jesus redeemed, that he died for. And that there is, with Jesus, he doesn't see rich people, he doesn't see, he sees people that he loves, that he shed his blood for. And that Our Lady, there were three things that I was to talk to them about. One, how important it was to be men of humility, because it is only the humble of heart, like the little child, the humility of a child, that would see and understand the message of the gospel that there were to be men of simplicity and that the simplicity was a simplicity that the gospel is simple 
and it doesn't need added or subtracted to, that when they would preach it with simplicity, that the power of the, the gospel and its simple message would penetrate hearts. And, and the third, if I re recall clearly, was about not being afraid um, of, of suffering. That was the those those were three, and I'm sure there was much more. I don't. I I would have to go back and listen to the tip, but I remember giving the message, mm -hmm. going to South America, and extraordinary, extraordinary, the effects that it had on them. Mm -hmm. But I also remember very clearly that at that first um, at that time of the apparition, um, that a very interesting thing happened. Sister Yanya came to me and she said that Yelena was not at the prayer meeting that I was at. There were the five visionaries and all the, the, the prayer group of Medjugorje in the first uh, years. And she said, Our Lady has a message for you. Yelena said that she saw, in, whether it was in, in a, an inner vision, she saw a tree and this tree was very, very big and that I had spoken, the message I got was to tell the, the visionaries and all of them never to forget that Satan would always be there to try and seduce us and to, to attack. Because, I mean, when you think of Jesus, who is God, who is Satan, you know, would, would, would come and, and tempt him, that we must never, that we must always be on our guard and always ask for the protection. And that was the talk I given in, in the vision, to the visionaries. And I told them, I said, you know, one of the last things that I said was, you know, I give my life to Jesus. At, I entered at 14 and a half. I went to the convent to ask for entrance. And I remember saying it to them. And I was struck, you know, why would I say all these beautiful young people? I said, you know, to give your life to Jesus is the greatest joy and to do it when you're young. Because you, your life, he give you, now give it back to him. The next day, Yolanda said that she had this vision of this enormous tree. And all these young people, including themselves, were in a brilliant sun. And they were trying to get some shade. And they ran over, and they were under this tree. And under the, tr in the tree was a snake. And the snake was about to attack them. And that they were not aware of mm -hmm. dangers that were there. And she, now she has no idea what I spoke about, and she said that the message that she heard was that this nun, she saw a nun standing, and I was standing between the tree and the evil one, and I had my hands out and I was smiling, and, I was, and this nun in brown was saying, give your life to Jesus when you're young, because he loves you and he will protect you. And when she told me this, I heard our Lord saying, I just wanted to confirm that I sent oh, you there. How beautiful. How beautiful. How beautiful. I meet people all over the world, all over the world, because we go all over, who are affected by Medjugorje but have never been to Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. 
mm. who have been affected through oh, your millions. book, Sister Emanuel, mm. and through just the writings. And this is the extraordinary thing about mm. it. You know, I went to the Oprah Winfrey show some years ago, and Jackie, my secretary, is here with me. Jackie, um, we got the call to ask, um, would I go on this Oprah Winfrey? That is millions, and, and people pay money to go on it, you know? And uh, I was very conscious, and I said, no. I said to Jackie, I don't want to go on Oprah Winfrey with all these people who are, you know, witches and into the occult and all, and, you know, that's not where. I, I, fe I felt it was just a show mm. and that. So we prayed, and uh, Jackie called and asked, well, who's going to be on? with Sister Breach, and it was going to be a Thanksgiving. And she said, oh no, Oprah read Sister Breach's book and she's just absolutely thrilled and she would love to have her on at Thanksgiving. And you know, so I said, fine. So we went, well, what a surprise. I get to um, the Oprah Winfrey show and there's a little lady there whom you're all very familiar with, I'm sure, called Kathleen Long from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and Kathleen is in the studio with a big <laughs> bottle of holy water spraying the studio, yeah. left in the studio. And everybody in the studio has been to Medjugorje, they're, they're all, you know, lover lady. Practically every, I was the main per person on the show and was on prayer. And all of the people, one person had been healed of a crippling disease through Our Lady, praying to Our Lady of Medjugorje. Um, the priest had been to Medjugorje, this attorney and his, had come to share about his little child. The, it was an hour's programme on national television with millions of people listening in the middle of the day and it was all about Our Lady of Medjugorje. Praise God. Yeah. Whoa. You know, and I thought, you know, here's people saying, you know, to me, well, how do you get on the Oprah Winfrey? You know, we'd love to get on to, you know, promote all our stuff, you know, and everything. And I'm thinking, boy, we are the best promoter of all. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Praise God. See, that's a, kind of why we're doing this program, is because there's such, a, uh, such an incredible gift being given to the world every day. The mother of Jesus coming every day. And to get this get any kind of bushel basket off this light so families and people in the yes. world can know because she's coming for for the person farthest away around the other yes. side of the world as much as to the kids she appears yes. to oh, there. Yes, I, I think, you know, that Our Lady, she is the Queen of Prophets. And uh, I remember one day in a moment of prayer uh, getting this insight that at the foot of Calvary, you know, we don't realize that up until that moment, Mary was... To, you know, the people around Nazareth and the people, you know, whom she walked with during the suffering knew Mary as the mother of Jesus. She was the biological mother of Jesus. That's what they knew her as. At the very moment when Jesus said to John, Behold, Behold your mother, that, you know, I remember getting this vision of Mary's heart just expanding and that the same love that she had for Jesus, like as a mother, that at that very moment, it was a gift the Father gave Mary, that he gave her the same love for every one of us. Exactly, and she said so in Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. One of the visionary told me, sister, Our Lady said, dear children, I love each one of you as much as I love my son yes. Jesus. Yes, well that's what, and I, I remember saying to Father Kevin, you know, the sense that I had of this tremendous, 
a mother, so that like a mother who is going to protect her child, she's absolutely yeah. desperate yeah. to, and that because the father give her this mission at the foot of cross through Jesus to be the mother of all humanity, that it's only right that a mother will announce, you know, prepare yourself, mm -hmm. keep away from danger, and show us the road. Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. And also, you know, um, Sister Emmanuel, when you were speaking, you know, about uh, the infant, um, you know, the child Jesus and how important, I'd love to share an experience. I was thinking about it so much as you spoke, um, and especially, you know, about the child and how important it is for us to, to recognize that, that this little child will lead us, you know, and that, that he's, he's resurrected, glorified, but there is no time with God. Yeah, so exactly. the best. But I had an experience, you know, I work with priests. And I had the most beautiful experience some time ago through a German priest, which confirmed what you were speaking about this morning. And maybe another way for, for people, for all of us to recognize our mission to give birth to Jesus as well, yes. that we also can bring this child. <clears throat> I was down in Venezuela giving a priest retreat. And uh, I was on my, it was before I worked with Father Kevin. And there were about 70 priests on this retreat. Now, this is many, many years ago. So I was, like, say, in my early 30s. And some of these priests could be my grandfathers. They were old men, missionaries. And they were German, Irish, Italian, Spanish, French. And we're in Caracas. Uh, uh, Caracas. Caracas. And they're sitting in a big semi-circle um, at the Mass. And I'm the only lady there. I'm the only woman there because I'm giving the retreat. And during Mass, um, I had spoken before the Mass to all of them and with my interpreter, who was a priest. Right after Mass, this German priest, a big, burly German priest, came over to me and he said, Sister Breach, I had the most extraordinary vision. He said, and I saw you sitting in the midst of all of us men and you had the most beautiful, big, fat, happy baby ah. on your lap. <laughs> and he said, you, this baby was smiling up at you and you were holding it. And he said, all of a sudden, you got up and you came around and he said, he said, I thought Sister Breach didn't bring a baby here. But he said, you got up and you came around and you put this baby in all these men's laps. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to let it fall. <laughs> they didn't know how to act. And he said, all of a sudden, the baby just looked at them and smiled. And he said, and this is the priest telling he said, I saw from the very gut level, I saw like something in them come up and just open and they just kissed the baby and the baby went in to that place. And he said, you know, sister, I asked Jesus, I mean, am I to tell Sister Breach? I feel so embarrassed, you know, it seems so strange to tell Sister Breach this. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that as a woman, you have come to bring to birth in the, in the male part of our lives, the tenderness and the beauty of the infant Jesus. Yeah. And that, that, you know, this is why, you know, uh, you can understand why Satan would want men and women to be at loggerheads and all this thing about feminism and about, you know, being co-independent. And he said, you know, I just felt that I had to tell you that as much as, as you know, you give all these talks, that. Jesus in you, just as Mary carried Jesus, you have carried Jesus to give birth to him in our manhood today. And uh, I thought about it afterwards, how beautiful, because we do that to each other.
And that's what you were, I was thinking of that this morning when you were speaking, as well as us, you know, and those of us who are missionaries like yourself, as well as us, as, as us holding Jesus and, you know, loving him and all. But we must also not only just hold him, but we must allow him to. Give him away. Give him to, away. Yeah, to yeah. Keep away. Just to clarify for our viewers, uh, what Sister was talking about this morning that you referred to was the first message of the millennium, which is a message for the millennium. The Christmas, it, December 25th, 1999 message, where Our Lady asked us, well, Our Lady gave us the, the baby. Therefore, dear children, put baby, put the newborn little baby Jesus at the first place in your life, and he will lead you on the way to salvation. Beautiful. I remember a priest recently met in Medjugorje. He came up to me and said, Sister, I had the most incredible experience with baby Jesus. You know, when you invited us to hold baby Jesus in our arms, I got a little embarrassed. I said, okay, I got the baby, and now what do I do with him? <laughs> I, I didn't know what to, how to speak to him, what to do with him. I got really like embarrassed. So I was, as I was thinking, what shall I manage with him? You know, I had a vision and that came right in my heart that this baby was not embarrassed with me, you know? Yes, and he climbed on my neck and caressed my cheek and that he made it on that day, you know, I've melt and now I, I uh, really accepted baby Jesus in my, in my heart and my heart is completely changed. Tenderness came in. Yeah. This baby just, you know, yes. caressed him like this and said he was not embarrassed with me. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And no, just show his love. I gotta share that when I first heard Sister share this, when she told me she was gonna be talking about this all for the first year of the millennium, about the baby Jesus. And then he saw it. Oh, I thought, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is not gonna cut it. Poor Emmanuel, that's not gonna, because I- That's not going yeah. to work. You know, the idea of holding a baby Jesus, yeah. for me. But it just astounded me to see the grace that happened with other people and the grace oh, yeah. I had to receive as I did um, it. You know, something very beautiful, in the same connection with the baby Jesus, I'll share with you, because, and I'm sure Father Kevin wouldn't mind me sharing. You know Father Kevin, about five years ago, his nephew, he was 19, 18, um, the youngest boy in family, Father Kevin, that I work with is from a very big family, and uh, uh, one of his um, nephews was tragically killed uh, coming back from doing his exams on about less than a week before Christmas. And uh, Oliver, a lovely young boy, and uh, his parents, you can imagine, were really devastated, you know. And uh, I was in Dublin at the time, and I'm very close to, to Father Kevin's family. This is the beautiful thing that the Lord brought us together. and. I am very close to his own family and his niece is one of my best friends. But Christmas morning, um, I was, went into our chapel at the convent in Dublin and I had the most extraordinary experience. I was there, you know, the crib was there for Christmas and all of a sudden I saw Oliver Oak, who's the young boy that was killed, and he's radiant and he said to me, he's looking at, at the child and he said, Bridge call my mom and dad and tell them thank you for giving me the gift for allowing me the gift of faith for sharing their faith with me for bringing me this faith and tell them just thank you now i look on jesus whom i love and whom they brought me uh, through their you know passing on the faith and this overwhelming sense that that the greatest joy for this young boy who had just gone to the lord was that he was looking 
at the real Christmas. And I called the parents up and the time that I had that vision, they were at mass. Yeah. They were just, and it actually, the first person, the, f the Sunday before that young boy died, his father had become a Eucharistic minister, and the first person he had ever given Holy Communion to was his own son, oh. who in less than a week had gone to God. Oh. You know, so I think, you know, this, this infancy, you know, I think what you're doing, Sister Emmanuel, I think we need, because the world has become very harsh, oh, yeah. and as you brought out in, in, in your talk, you know, um, and you, you were talking about it today, you know, that when you think of the horror of abortion, when you think that, you know, partial birth abortion, that this little baby is actually killed, yeah. you know, when it's just been born. Yeah. And, and you think of, people say to me, oh, I wouldn't have an abortion, but, and this but, you know, um, and, and this is why, this is why I, I think that, that Our Lady, and, and more than Our Lady, that God has asked you to promote the, the, because an infant, as you said, the baby Jesus, I mean, you can't say that, that you loved the body of Christ, that you received the body of Christ, that you welcomed the body of Christ, and then, and then accept abortion. You know, that's why I think to this, yeah. this time of our, our, our life, that Our Lady is desperate to get across to us. Yes the beauty of the innocence, the simplicity, what Jesus did. And you know, I remember in Medjugorje, because I keep on speaking about baby Jesus over this year, and a lady came up to me and said, Sister, um, she was about 60. Mm -hmm. Sister, I must tell you one thing I experienced during the prayer with baby Jesus. You know, Sister, when I was young, much younger, I, I had an abortion. And uh, from that day on, I lost peace completely. For years and years, I couldn't recover peace. And, uh, but today with baby Jesus, as he came in my arms and I could really accept him and welcoming deep in my heart, peace has come back after 40 years. Isn't that, praise so, God. And she was crying of yeah. joy. She's yeah. crying of joy. She had, like, it's, it was like the father has given me back my child. You know, praise I have a God. child. Praise God. I, yes. I think this message, um, especially for, for women, not only women, but of men. Oh, yes. Because, you know, we, we, oh. we keep talking about the victims of abortion, the baby, but there's three people. There's the, one, the man as well. And, and that was made very clear to us recently at a conference in Ireland where this, uh, this doctor spoke, you know, and, and said, you know, just think of all the men who are affected who know that their little child, Support. So when you mm -hmm. think of how this message is needed mm -hmm. to bring the void that's in the lives of yeah. not just the woman. And you know what's beautiful in Medjugorje, as you notice, there is not one message about abortion in the official messages. No. Not no. one. You know why? Because the way she does, like a mother, a divine mother, is first of all, she heals the root of abortion in the heart of the people in giving back the taste of life. Yes. the joy of life and then you just forget about abortion yes isn't it great yes. beautiful and this is in, instead God. of going against you know with kind of uh, aggressivity or judgment or you know pointing out the sin no it's not at all the way she she does she just restore 
what has been wounded in the heart of the people is the taste of life, the joy of life, the blessing of life. And when you bless the gift of life, when you bless God for giving such a, a great gift with life, you just forget, it just disappears by, by itself. And that's the way she acts, you know. Yes. It's a beautiful motherly way. Um, yes. And I, I think also, of course, if you, if you read the message of Medjugorje, the, the main message, of course, is repentance for yeah, every, yeah, you know. And yeah, yeah. I think that when she brings that, when your heart is filled with the Lord and when you begin to love, automatically repentance yeah. comes, yeah, yeah. where you are able to acknowledge that, you know, you did wrong, you did yeah. wrong but you're forgiven. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that's, um, you know, today in, in our world, we are afraid um, of preaching that message and we're afraid, you know, to allow people to acknowledge, you know, we say, oh no, no, you don't have to sin. I think people have to acknowledge, yeah. you know, yeah. in the ministry that I'm, I do it's a lot a liberation. Of, yes, I do a lot of telephone ministry and a lot of people call me because they can't see me and so they feel, you know, oh, Sister Breach will heal me or Sister Breach, you know, I can tell her and I always say to them, you know, like they have AIDS or there's something wrong, you know, and people, I say to them, well, how did you get it? And people say, you don't ask, do you? I say, yes, I do. I'm not asking because I judge you. But I say, you know, you could die of cancer. You can die of leukemia. But, you know, the only one thing I'm going to ask you when they tell me, you know, I say, can you, in the, in just in simplicity, acknowledge that what you did was wrong because it's not Jesus' way? You have no idea how many saints die of AIDS who are completely converted and whose, you know, I realize the key, and that's again our Blessed Lady in Medjugorje, the key to salvation is repentance. Of and course. I keep saying, don't worry, there's not a saint in heaven who didn't have to confess their sins because mm. you wouldn't be a saint if you didn't repent. You know, beautiful message of Our Lady that Sister Ibadio put in uh, a recent report she was reminded, share what Maria told you. Yeah, yeah. Maria told in the crowd in Medjugorje recently, she said, Our Lady said, um, here in Medjugorje, many people come to beg for a physical healing. But these people, some of them in the same time, they live in sin. And don't, they don't realize that the health of their soul is more important than the health of, this, of their body. So they should first go to confession, repent, renounce sin, and then only beg for physical healing. And she added uh, that many more physical healings would take place, yes. would be granted by God if people would first go to confession and renounce sin. Oh, many yes. more yeah, healings many, would many. happen then. Yes. Yeah. yes, Father Kevin had an experience of a man who went to confession with a withered leg. And he didn't go to confession because he, went, he came to get Sister Breach to pray with his daughter. And wasn't one bit interested in going to confession. And his wife and himself heard me saying, you know, just this message and saying, you know, tonight we're not, it's not about physical healing. It's about the healing of the soul. And there's going to be 15 priests here in confession. And he's sitting there thinking, all the charismatics had come thinking, oh, and we wanted our daughter prayed with. And then he and his wife got prompted, well, we should really go to confession. And the following morning, day, this lady called Father Kevin. We were giving a mission in this parish and said, Father, something extraordinary has happened to my husband. He's the president of the bank. We went last night or two nights ago to, he, to get our little daughter prayed with and there was no like, praying for physical healing. And um, he had a caliper in his leg. He'd never, it, it didn't hinder him from his work. Um, 
but he went to confession. And the next day, he said he was at the bank and he felt underneath his, his pants, he felt a tingling sensation, thought, oh, I must have got a bite. And that. that night when he undressed, muscle had started developing in his leg. At the end of the week, he had a perfect leg. <laughs> and he came to, the funny part was, his wife said to Father Kevin, like a, a P.S., and you know, he didn't even see Sister Breach. The <laughs> 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 healing nun. <laughs> he didn't even see Sister Breach. He just went to confession. And we said, well, how ignorant you can be, because I mean, here you meet Jesus personally in the sacrament. And, uh, and that's what, exactly the same that I keep telling people. The sacraments are guarantees that Jesus is there. And I tell him, he's a general practitioner. He can heal everything. He just doesn't zero in. Just leave yourself open to him. Sister Breeze McKenna is one of the great gifts that God is giving to the church today. The experience of teaching young people in a classroom for many years taught me there were really three persons in a category by themselves in terms of actually changing people's lives, bringing grace for conversion. John Paul II, Mother Teresa, and Breeze McKenna. To get connected to her ministry or to order her tapes or books or videos, Write to St. Clair Sisters Retreat Ministry, 970 Pine Hill Road, Palm Harbor, Florida, 34683. Sister also has a prayer line, 727-781-5906. Earlier in the program, Sister Breeze mentioned Sister Emmanuel's talk on the baby Jesus. In her first message of the millennium, the Blessed Mother gave us a way to make this century a time of peace and prosperity, she said. She gave us a very concrete and practical way out from all the problems facing us in the world today. You can order this very important audio tape, Get Mary's Message for the Third Millennium from Children of Medjugorje. <laughs> 